Hey guys, uh, welcome to my uh, new episode. In this episode, I will be um, interviewing Lauren Ritchie. It's gonna be pretty, pretty, pretty cool. So stay, stay here. Get a glass of water or cup of coffee, whatever feels good to you. Um, so yeah, did you move today? Atu bouge aujourd'hui. Chate mejiste aujourd'hui. Ivos te moviste ora. All right, so let's welcome Lauren. Hello. Hey, Lauren. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Of course. Can you can you hear me? Okay. Is yeah, it... I can totally. Can you hear Amazing. me? Amazing. Yeah, yeah. This was a a new platform for me, so it was fun fun to sort of sign up and figure it out. Great. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, Lauren Ricci, right? Creator and host of the Dance Podcast. Um, is a dance educator obsessed with connection and community. After a rough transition from the competitive dance studio into the professional world of dance, Lauren has dedicated her life to sharing knowledge and training that empowers dancers. She's developing mental skills training for dancers by applying, applying her grad studies, coaching accreditation, and yoga certification to the book that will help build powerful dancers, teachers, and humans. Uh, Lauren, I'm super excited to have you here, honestly. Oh, I am so excited. I love how small our dance world is and how quickly and easily we can all connect with each other. So I'm super honored to be here. Awesome. That's uh, glad to hear. And actually, it's interesting how I found um, your podcast. I don't know why I was searching on Spotify, you know, like dance podcast or something like that. And then um, that was your podcast. So I'm yeah. like, oh, wow. And then I, the more I, I started to listen to podcasts, I was like, oh, wow, she's also a yoga instructor. And so I was like, oh, my God, we have a lot of things in common. So I, that's why I reached out and I'm like, oh, my God, you I checked your website and everything. So, I'm, again, I'm, I'm very excited to have you here. So, Lauren, if you uh, want to talk a little bit about how your movement journey, how did everything started? I know you come from a, a, the com- compet- competition, right? You, you did competitive dance uh, when you were younger. So I think mm-hmm. you started like as very, very young age. Um, and then you move into yoga. And so I, I would love to hear more about your movement journey. Yes. Well, you are absolutely correct. I started when I was like three years old. You know, I had an older sister who was in the dance studio. So naturally, I'm the little sister hanging out there. And I was obsessed since I was little. And the reason I know that is because my mother, basically, (laughs) I couldn't, you know, she couldn't pull me out. And when I was three years old, I would be in with the senior jazz class, stretching and doing their warm up. And at that time, I literally remember thinking like, yes, I'm almost there. (laughs) I'm in it. But so yeah, dance has been like a huge part of my life. And um, I went super competitive all the way up till I was 18. And then there's that funny little transition where what you've been doing your whole life as a hobby, uh, even if it's a very serious and competitive hobby, um, you have to answer the question, you know, will this be a a professional choice? Are, Are you going to turn this into a business where you are the product or do you keep trying to find dance in other ways um, and keep it in your life or do you just stop dancing and so 
When I made the choice to transition into the professional world, I knew that there was going to be a lot of auditions and, and I don't think I quite understood that the dancing would be so different and what ended up or what ends up happening really is that you train, you know, five, six days a week and then all of a sudden you're not training like that anymore. So I had a very hard time finding what was going to fill all those hours of training and even learning about different kinds of training and different kinds of movement. It was, I'll be honest, it was really hard for me to figure out what to do in a gym. And like, it wasn't as much fun as dancing. And so I would say there was a solid 15 years where I just kept trying different methods of movement and I think that that's the way that I approach a lot of things in life is just to like, try it, try CrossFit, try yoga, try Pilates. Um, and then from there, you almost develop a new appreciation, um, a new understanding, but also just a new vocabulary around what you want and what I want movement to look like in my life. I totally, um, I mean, I totally agree with that. Just like trying everything and see what fits and what, what you like the most. Yeah. And I think a lot of dancers do go into yoga because it does feel good. It feels familiar. It has the same, I would say spirituality about it. Um, Dance is in my opinion, like this moving meditation and we don't even really realize it because we're so young and we're just living our best life. And then there's something about being able to bring some of that onto a yoga mat that I think feels really, really good. Yeah. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, what are the challenges that one faces when, um, you know, you are or become a part of the dance uh, world, the dance industry or the yoga industry Mm. in general. Um, no matter where you come from, no matter where you are, um, there's a lot of, and this is something that I don't want to generalize, but I, you know, I'm a part of the, that I'm a part of the dance industry. I'm part of the yoga industry. I'm part of the movement industry that the eating disorders Mm -hmm. and how that I'll talk more about that, you know, from, from the dance, uh, the dance point of view and like as a dancer, how um, we are told that we have to be a certain mm-hmm. way. And I was very, uh, when I was checking your website, I was like, oh my God, this is like so awesome because you, you, you're really interested, you're really interested in the mental mm-hmm. health side. Is that, is that correct? Oh yes, that like- is pretty much what I have dedicated the past 15 years to, um, both my, my mental health, but really recognizing where the gaps are in our dance training and making a personal commitment to fill in some of those gaps, help, help bridge perhaps some of the missed, missed pieces of information or knowledge. Um, so I can, I can speak from a personal experience where I never had issues with eating. I really actually didn't think much about what I was eating because I was training so much and I just loved what I was doing. I loved the dancer that I was becoming. I loved 
the choreographers I was working with. Like I just, I really did love life in those moments. And, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to be successful in the competition world, which is great. So even that, you know, I was being rewarded for my talent. I was being rewarded for artistry and, and there wasn't much of a body conversation around that. Now, I did go to ballet schools and have friends who took that route. And I know that some of those conversations come up probably more often than what I experienced. Um, But for me, the interesting part about, about food and eating disorders was that it came in my first professional job when my identity was being shook. I had for so long worked on my athleticism, on my artistry. I had for so long been rewarded for just like hard work and, and this nature of the studio. And then when I got out of it and all of the sudden I'm being casted because of my height or because I would fit in one costume, but I wouldn't fit in another costume, um, that stuff started to rattle me because We hadn't had those conversations. I didn't have any tools or resources to help me in those moments. Um, So not only was my identity sort of cracked and shaken, from there I was just overwhelmed with what what that means. You know, what it means to be a body, be a product in the dance world. Mm -hmm. And up until that point, it wasn't really anything. And so... I, I crumbled. I definitely, I started getting obsessive about what I didn't look like. Um, I was standing next to a girl who had just come from the Moulin Rouge. And so she was same height, but probably, you know, half my size in some respects. And so you start, I started to compare myself and I was nowhere to, you know, to that look, to that physique, my big, strong legs, all of a sudden, you know, at one point they let me jump higher than the boys. And then all of a sudden they were just, it was like big thighs, you know? And I just, I lost, I lost perspective. I, I started to look at my body like an object, which I hadn't really done before. And the old, I start, I literally just freaked out and food became super scary to me. And that's when the bulimia started to, get really bad is when I was panicking. I felt out of control, um, really from a, from a mental health space more than a, I want to lose five pounds. It was like, Oh my goodness, I'm not good enough. I don't know how I'm going to get there if I can ever get there. And then as soon as you start playing with bulimia and you start really messing up your guts and your intestines and your hormones in your head, you start doing damage far beyond what the food situation is and that's that's sort of how it all happened for me now as far thank you for sharing though that's super powerful um so thank you for sharing that um because i know that that is a topic that not everyone can Mm -hmm. share um if that makes sense even dancers in the you know when i when i was in college um not not that's not a conversation like sometimes unless 
people have or feel comfortable with the other person that would be the only way I guess for them to to share something like that and it, it's awesome that you're talking about that because um for the people that you know that they've been through that it's just um awesome to hear that there's other people out there that you know they um they've been through that and and, and now everything is like well, awesome all the things that yeah it's that. interesting because it took me a very long time to even wrap my own head around what happened like I didn't have an issue and then I did and and to be able to I, I needed time. I mean, the, the reason I can speak about like speak about it like this is because I've done a lot of, you know, personal development to try and and sort out what what is that. I never identified as a person who was obsessive about weight or obsessive about food, and yet it still showed up in my life. And there's so much shame around it. And I went for years and years hiding it, trying to avoid it, hoping it would just go away. Um, you know, jealous of people who could just like cold turkey stop. It just, it, it had gone yeah. so past weight and body image stuff and it had gone so deep into my cells. And that's where I think there's a bit of a precautionary tale as, as you know, when people saw me, when I first got off the ship, I was significantly heavier. I don't know if, if I was about 40, 40 pounds ish, which is a lot. There's no hiding it. And for me, that physical weight, what people were seeing was an internal scream for help and, and just me essentially wearing all of, all of the heaviness in my heart. And yet, when people saw me, they thought, oh, she went on a cruise ship. She didn't work out as much. Maybe she was eating a lot. Oh, she literally, I got taken to Weight Watchers, you know, and, and people approached it like, oh, you just need to eat less, move more. Like, you'll, you know, whatever, you'll figure it out. You'll get back yeah. at it. And um, it was so far beyond that. And so it has taken me a long time to speak about it. And I, I'm so grateful that, that people are willing to listen and, and to hear. And I think that the only way we can really pull and soften this shame is to talk about it is to, is to get it out there. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, it's because I, I remember when I was in college, my freshman year, I don't know if it was my freshman or my sophomore year. Um, I tried so many mm -hmm. diets. Like now that I think about it, even the apple diet. <laughs> yes, like the apple cider vinegar diet or whatever. No, I, I think it's just one where you only eat oh my God. and you don't try anything else. So, you know, but but that was the thing. That was an, an I know, internet. I know. And, and so I was like, I tried that apple diet. And so like for three weeks, I only oh ate Oh my apples. gosh. Now that I think about it, I'm like, Andrea, how did you do that? You know, I just don't know. I, I don't know why or I don't know. There's, yeah, I don't know why there's, there is a part about when you're in that age between, you know, probably like 15 to even 25, 
your brain hasn't stopped developing. Just because you are 18 does not mean that suddenly you are an adult and you know things. So I felt very yeah. similar in respect to, oh my goodness, I don't look the way I want to look. I've never thought about how I eat. And then there was the zone diet. There was Atkins. Um, there was this crazy one where it was like lemon lemon Keto. juice and cayenne pepper or something. Like there was so many crazy um, at that point, Madonna went on a diet where she just ate popcorn. Like we are so inundated with just all of these crazy fads and diets and quick fixes. And the best, the best um, sort of conversation I had with a couple, you know, nutrition and health professionals was essentially that every single body is different. I think it's biodiversity or whatever they, whatever they call it. Um Mm-hmm. man, there's, there's nothing truer than that for me as I, as you know, I just keep learning, just keep, keep experimenting with, you know, different styles of eating or what my body needs. But one of the, one of the hardest yeah. things to do for me was, um, mindful eating or conscious eating and really listening to your body and slowing down I won't lie, I still haven't got that one. Like it is so much easier to shut off and just like put things in your mouth, you know, but but mindfulness and conscious eating is probably one of the best ways to sort of just like slow down, feel the emotions around it, sort of like calm yourself. I don't I don't know. I definitely am not the professional for this one, but um but yes, I I am right with you and I have tried just silly things. <laughs> Yeah, like things that with time, it, it's just like why I don't even know why I tried that. I don't even know. There was a point in time that I was only eating uh, mm-hmm. protein. And there was a time where I was like, oh, no, so I'm not going to eat any more protein anymore. I'm just going to try to eat um, to become mm-hmm. vegan. And then, you know, and, and that didn't work out. So it's it's just like how it's interesting how I guess society and the dance industry sometimes, or even, I don't know if it's us as perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to be a certain way and, 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 and that's when, that's when yoga comes to play. So do, do you, do you think that the way that you saw or that you see your body or app, was it different when you started practice mm. yoga? Did you, were you able to accept your body or that they didn't work out or uh, if I'm being totally honest, nope. <laughs> like that uh, yoga for me was a bit of a different journey because at, at that point I, I mean, I love doing yoga. It feels good. I think as a dancer, it just, it feels good in your body, but I was looking at that point for something to replace dance. I was trying to find a physical movement, um, a community of people that perhaps could, could fill that space in my life that I loved so dearly and I loved so much. And, you know, I, I was fortunate to be a a part of really awesome yoga studios and really awesome yoga communities, but it never had the same feeling as the dance community for me. So I still, I mean, I, I still struggle with parts about 
my body. Um, you know, certain weeks you eat better than others, certain days your gut feels better than others. And so, you know, I, I won't lie and say that I've got it all sorted out and, and kumbaya, I've, I've accepted everything because it, I think that that's where yoga and dance and all of these things, they really come from a state of presence and, and it's a practice. And so I feel like I am still on that journey of practice. Some days are great. Some days aren't. Can you still come present into the moment and work from there? So I am still practicing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's, I was reading an article today about that, um, about how, um, yoga in a way it helps I guess to accept who we are as humans and see basically seeing ourselves um more as a soul or more on the inside rather than on the outside but at the same time now it's becoming this specific you have to have this yoga body quote mm -hmm. unquote and um the covers on the the big uh brands uh the big magazines and things like that is just um I don't know I was just astonished to see how there's people out there that still talk about this yoga body quote-unquote that you have to have this specific pair of leggings and so I was just like oh wow it's crazy because even in the yoga world, we can see and we can find people that are still struggling with their oh, for, their body, for sure, their body for sure. Life. I mean, it's a huge thing. I know that there's a couple of books and and short stories of of women's essays because I know one girl had come into yoga because she was trying to recover from an eating disorder and come to that space of of health and acceptance, and and yoga did bring her there. And yoga also then took her back into that space as some of those, those expectations started to creep in. And for me, that's what, that's where it's the mental skills. It's that you cannot, you cannot run away from yourself and, and, and run from your stuff. And so what I, what I like to do with my students and what I, what I have dedicated my life to is essentially, okay, so how do we start to define things on our own terms? How do we stay rooted in sort of a truth and an authenticity that may go against what is popular, which is actually probably the most rebellious thing that any of us will ever do, but it, it is tricky. I mean, you, you add social media on top of magazines mm -hmm. on top of i mean some of the some of the most successful yogis on instagram i mean they are they're very thin and and it's hard not to compare yourself i mean it's hard not to compare yourself literally every time you walk out the door so comparison has been just a a beast in my life that i've really had to had to take some time with and and I see it all the time in my students and I see it all the time in just the world around us we're sort of we're in a losing game right now 
And so we have to be so protective over what we're looking at, what we're talking about, um, our choices, you know, why are you, why are you going to yoga? And, and for me, I actually have a shoulder injury where I can't do a ton of vinyasas because essentially I'll lose feeling in my left arm and then I can't do any yoga. So it was actually really cool for me to be able to have that injury and then really start to define the parameters of like, well, why am I here? And what classes actually feel good for me? And, and what I find more often than not is that really I'm drawn, I'm drawn to teachers because I think that that's, that is partly what I crave about the yoga, yoga experience. It's just like this setting of space and energy and, sharing a room with, with really beautiful souls. Yeah, that is, uh, that is, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I even have words for that. Um, it's a lot to, I mean, I think right now because we're not 18 anymore, we see things a little bit Mm -hmm. different than, when when we were that oh age. for sure <laughs> so it's very yeah so it's very different to to i don't know to and, and I, I i i like the fact that you also mentioned social media because i think social media is even as much as um as much as i don't want to compare myself to other people sometimes i feel like unconsciously i'm like okay do I have that body or do I have what it takes? You know, even, even if I have self-love, mm-hmm. it's still, it's still something that I constantly have to work. Um, of course, I don't think the same way that I used to think when I was 15 years old, I think very differently, but at the same time, it's like a lot of things that as a society, we have to, we have to, yeah, well, and it, I think it comes from education. We have a generation coming up that, that social media has been a part of their life forever, and it's not going anywhere. So for me, I had a, somebody ask me a question actually last night, seeing a bunch of these younger dancers um, posting on social media, and you know the the teacher was just feeling a bit conflicted about it, and I said. The part that breaks my heart is why they're posting. They're posting for, for validation. They're posting for connection. They're posting to hopefully um, build some, some self love. And we all know with a bit of age and wisdom that that's just never going to fill the void. And that's, that is a, that is building a foundation on toothpicks. It's, it's not going to last. It's going to crumble. So for me, that's been probably the biggest piece that I want to share and connect with, with this next generation of, of dancers is how can we, how can we build a foundation from within? How can you, share without expectation. Cause I'm not going to say don't share, don't post. It's what they do. It's what they want to do. That's cool. But it's the reason why. And, and I think that that there are so many research studies now coming out about anxiety and depression related to 
the, this compare and despair that happens. And so for me, it's just how can we educate and how can we connect in real life, in real time to just, yeah, develop stronger humans. And I think as, as, as dancers, that's even a little bit more challenging because we deal with rejection mm-hmm. a lot. Like going to auditions and, oh, yes, it didn't work out. Yeah. You know? And I think, I think that auditions, wow, they're, they are amazing for so many reasons, but they are, they can be so helpful and so useful and so valuable if you have taken the time pre-audition to set the parameters within yourself of what does success look like for this audition? Because if you're going in thinking that you're only successful by getting the job, you know the rejection rate. More often than not, you're going to feel like you failed. And if you are defining it only if you get the job, you're in trouble. This is going to be a very long road or you're just going to quit. And so being able to start to define this journey and like who you are going into that audition. What do you want to learn? What do you want to contribute to the room? Like all of these other things that an audition can offer. I think that it's so important that we start having conversations around that. Um, You know, even preparing yourself and, and being truthful about like, if they're looking for five foot four, blonde haired girls who look like they could fit on the Disney channel and you're five, nine and, and you have brown hair, like do not feel like a failure if you don't get that audition. But, you know, so I think, I think that it's so important for us to recognize that everything that we do in the dance world is an opportunity and a mirror. So every time we step into this studio whether it is a technique class, whether it is setting choreography, uh, whether it's just like a workshop, before we even leave our house, before we even, you know, walk through the doors, there is so much preparation and connection and intimacy that you can have with yourself that can just start to define your own success and sort of define what that experience is. Because E plus R equals O right? You have your event. The event is neutral. The outcome is going to be totally dependent on your reaction, your responses, your, what you bring in, your choices. And so I, I think that the sooner dancers can learn about that and they can, you know, I've had, I've had students who are very young still understand that that R piece the E plus R equals O, that R piece is what's in their control. And for most of us, the eating disorder, the feelings of self-worth, the experiences in the studio when we're dancing, a lot of that is, is the R. It's our reaction. It's what's in our control. And when you recognize you only control so much, but you choose what you control and you actually like, you know, what you do choose is an alignment with like where you want to go. It just sets you up for success in the long term. I like that. E plus R equals O. I yeah. Like that. I think that was like Jack Canfield success principles. It's a pretty, it's like a pretty common equation, but it's so important that we all come back to this, this R piece of, 
you know, what, how are you responding? How are you reacting? What's your responsibility in this moment? And, uh, I can't remember who it was. I wish I could. Somebody broke down responsibility and it's your ability to respond and you choose how you respond. So I, I thought that that was a really cool way of looking at that responsibility piece, because a lot of the times we're thinking that that's like such a heavy and like, ugh word where it's like no it's actually really empowering like you are in control of a lot just don't try and control what you're not in control of because <laughs> that's sure. gonna be oh that's a that's a beast you you're not gonna win yeah I I, I love that I love that that e equation now I wanted to talk a little bit about the transition because um, you mentioned that you were working in mar marketing, mm -hmm. right? You were in the marketing industry. You were in the corporate um, corporate world. Um, and you're in Canada right now, right? So it's... I am. No, you're yes. In Canada. Yes. So um, I'm sure you've heard of corporate mm -hmm. America. Mm -hmm. Very familiar. So, <laughs> very familiar with that. And typically it's the nine to five jobs or even six to eight it could be like a lot of hours sitting down and there is there's um former dancers or yeah former dancers that maybe because of their parents or maybe because of society they felt the pressure that okay i cannot make a a, a profession as a dancer and so i would rather um, go and get a marketing, sales, work in a mm -hmm. bank, um, and whatnot. You can just add whatever, et cetera, et cetera. And you, uh, you, after you graduated from high school, you went and worked for a, a cruise, right? Yeah. So, so when I graduated high school, I had the full you know, blessings of my parents to go and dance. And my first audition was a cruise ship and I got it. Um, and it was, it was a couple years of dancing and auditioning and doing and teaching dance and all of that good stuff where my parents had the sit down on the couch and, you know, well, it's not if you go to university, it's when, when you have to yes and and we would like to know when you're gonna go back and I just was like floored because we hadn't really had that conversation and I was loving teaching dance like I was loving staying in the dance community so I absolutely got the ooh I've okay I have to go back to school and um I'm looking at all of the programs you know and the degrees in school and all of a sudden I'm like I don't know. And I'm just trying to like fit in a box, you know, when the certain programs are like, if you're good at this, this, and this, you know, you'd probably be a good fit or an ideal candidate would be blah, blah, blah. And so I literally picked something off of a website. I did general studies for the first year. It's so general. I, you know, you're just at that stage of schooling, you're just making the best choices you can with the information that you have at the time. So yes, from there, I thought after I graduated with my, you know, communications degree, I thought, okay, 
got to be an adult now and got to put on the pencil skirt and put on the heels and work in a, in, in a business. And I don't know, act like a grown up. I guess that that's, you know, what you should do after you graduate university. And I, I worked for about five years in marketing and I was at a desk nine to five, which in reality was more like seven to seven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dancers work so hard. We know, we know how to put in the work. We know what the bar of excellence is in our own, in our own framework. We know what's right and wrong. We know that we should always be going for the top level of excellence, mm-hmm. which also makes us very hireable. People love to work with dancers, but yeah. So I, I worked probably five years behind a desk. I, you know, I was still, you know, yoga, CrossFit, like just trying different modalities of movement. Um, but I will tell you, I've been in grad school now all summer and I'm back to sitting for, you know, sometimes it was 14 hours a day because you're reading research papers and writing and, oh, it kills the body. It kills it. And, you know, not only are you then, it's like sitting is the new smoking, right? Not only are you like killing your body, but you're not releasing the endorphins and you're not, you know, just feeling the sweat and and feeling good in your body. And so it becomes like a snowball, I feel, where you stop moving or you don't do as much physical activity and then you eat bad and then you have... I don't know, maybe some wine. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very real thing because you are now having to like literally elbow and make time for movement. And one of the dance moms actually, I saw this in practice, like I experienced it and it was one of the best things that I could have experienced when I was in my twenties. I had, I was working with her daughter, we were doing privates and I said, oh, you know, can you guys do Wednesday at four or whatever it was? And she goes, Oh no, we have an appointment, but we could do, you know, Thursday at two. Great. A couple, it was like a couple days later. I said something about like, Oh, I would love to try You know, this fitness class. And she goes, Oh, you should come Wednesday at four. And I just, mm. wait, what? You said you weren't available. And then I was like, oh my goodness, that's how important it is. You put it in your schedule and like any other appointment with a lawyer, doctor, whatever it is, it it doesn't move. And it was just, there was like no flexibility around it. They were not going to be available. And I, I just went, oh, okay. Because I've always considered my flexibility and sort of my you know, my fluidity and asset. I, I'm, you know, like I'm easy to work with, I, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and that was such a cool thing for me to see because when it's in the schedule, nothing else trumps it. Nothing else is important. Yeah. Making the, it depends on the priority too of that. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I just, I was having dinner with a friend who's just gone through I'm going to get this wrong. It's the, it, he specializes now in dental surgery. So he was a dentist. He's gone through a second round of schooling and him and I were speaking about just, you have to move your body and sweat and, and prioritize that health 
if you want to be good at your job, if you want to have creative ideas, if you want to be present to the people and do the work, the quality work you want to do, you have to take care of your body. You have to move. You have to sweat um, because there's a point where you're just, you're going to have brain fatigue. Like your brain needs neural rest. It just flat out. You cannot do, you know, 14 hours a day, a month straight and think that you're going to be on your game and, and produce good stuff. So I, I totally, I totally believe in that. I totally believe in movement is, is the way to, to have, to live a longer, healthier, uh, to be able to enjoy the time with, if planning on having kids or just like, uh, nieces, nephews is, you know, the way to, the more mobility we have, the more, the more, I think the more we will be able to, to live a longer and healthier and be my stay more positive. Um, yeah. And, and spread that with everyone else too, which I think is. It goes important. back, it goes back to, to a personal why, you know, like why, why are you working out? Because I can tell you when I was in full on bulimia mode, I was working out because I felt so guilty about shoving that much food in my body. And I was working out because I was essentially punishing myself. And I was working out because I wasn't good enough and I didn't look good enough. And even when I got the weight off, I was running however many miles a day out of fear that I would go back to the place that I, that of, you know, of being so heavy. And so if that's where you're working out from and that's where you're moving from, it's just, it's not sustainable. If it, you know, if it's to get somebody else's admiration, like, sorry, that's going to fail. And, and so something that I've tried to really incorporate is just, is my why, like, what's, what's the point here? Because mm -hmm. if, if, if you're not clear on it, uh, it's very hard to, to maintain it. Awesome. And that, that's, um, I, for everybody that is listening, I listened to your first episode and that was literally the, when I was like, I have to listen to this podcast hmm. because you mentioned who you are, but most importantly, why you do what you do. And so I was like, oh, this is why I have to listen to this podcast. So I think that that why is the key to, I don't know, to get more people to, you know, attract more people. I think that's, you know, from a marketing point of view, but also, um, I don't know, that's, I wanted to tell you that about the, that. Thank you. About that, that why, why do Thank you. things that I do. Um, the other thing that I wanted to ask you is a little bit more about um, movement and science. Um and so I know you, we talked a little bit about movement and mental health and, and um, something that I found or that I find is this idea of movement and science altogether. Um, just a little bit. So when I started to, when I was studying in college dance and then um, I went into yoga I found that I was like very passionate about moving, moving my body. And, and I don't know, like, I felt like, oh my God, I love dance so much. Oh, but I love yoga a lot. 
oh, but I can practice CrossFit. Oh, but I can just go swimming. Oh, but I can just, you know, and like everything that has had to do with my body, it just, I just felt that it was fascinating. I was very passionate about that. And then I got into a point where when I, you know, when I was in college, we did, we took a little bit of anatomy classes and um, we had kinesiology too, but we never got to the point where we knew a little bit more about that, about like what's behind biomechanics or what's, what's, what's happening with my body when I'm actually moving. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with yoga. When I was doing my training, yes, we had some uh, biomechanic, I had a biomechanic workshop, which was great. And a little bit of anatomy courses, but nothing like really deep about why I was moving. And so I became very, very passionate about this topic, um, movement and science. And so I, I wanted to know if you have any thoughts on that. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned an injury that you had a shoulder injury. And so it's, it's um, as dancers, we have a lot of, you know, we go through a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted to know that your thoughts concerning uh, movement, movement and science, you think it's something mm-hmm. that we cannot separate or <laughs> I'm just part of me is giggling because I have my biomechanics final presentation tomorrow in grad school. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm just, oh, my gosh, I can't run from it. <laughs> but uh, but I do understand what you mean about um, as working professionals, we take courses, we try and learn as much as we can. But, you know, unless you're actually going to focus on that area, you'll always feel like, oh, there's more to know. There's more to know. And there is always more to know. Um, You know, I spoke last week with one of just the coolest blends of dance and science. And her name is Dr. Tina Wang. And she is a performing arts medicine specialist who is a full physician and then has this performing arts sort of specialty and also does functional medicine and dances still like she danced all through med school um she has a full practice where she does uh prolotherapy which essentially helps the um sort of the regeneration and the, and the healing of like ligaments and tendons. Anyway, so cool because she literally is the epitome of dance and science right now. Tina Wing. Can you spell her, her last name for me? Yeah, it's T-I-N-A, Tina, and then Wang, W-A-N-G. And her website is called Tupelo, T-U-P-E-L-O healing arts. I think that that's, she's down in California, but, um, but yeah, we actually, cause, because part of what I do on the podcast is I want to expose this idea that there are many ways to keep dance in your life and still pursue things beyond commercial or concert dance. And, um, you know, now what's fantastic is there are actually, dance medicine and dance science programs. So I think it's over in the UK that they have um, dance science and medicine. Um, Now there's academic journals that are connecting all of the science to dance. And there are amazing professors who are doing, doing this work. So what I think is the place that it is in my life, it's I view everything 
that I've learned from a science perspective, I want to share it. I want to share it with my dancers. I want to share it with the people who listen to the dance podcast. And by no means will I ever be an expert in the land of dance science, but I have a thirst and a knowledge for it. And I now know people who have the knowledge for it. And so for me, it's my job then becomes a facilitator of information. I want to share as much as I can. I will keep learning and then share and then learning and then share. And, um, and yeah, I think it, it is, there is no way to separate the two. If you're an athlete, if you're a human, you are science. So, yeah. so it's just like, how much can we learn and how much can we share with each other to empower the athletes, the dancers, um, and, and the artists and it, it, who knows, it'll open up entirely new career options for the, the next generation. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for that, Lauren. Now I'm just like to pillow point, like checking all the, 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 that, um, that information that you just gave me. So I'm going to make sure to read that today. That's, that's pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. Um, and I, I've met cool people like doing um, dance and biomechanics and yoga and biomechanics, which I think like, Oh, wow, this is awesome. Awesome mm -hmm. to see that movement in science is becoming uh, such a big thing. Um, now, Lauren, and I know you, you, you've, you told me this before. Could you remind me uh, you're, you're right now in grad school. Could you I am. Me, you, could you remind me? Uh, you're a Wonder Woman, so imagine like your <laughs> podcast and your websites, and you teach, and you're a coach, and you're in grad school. That that's awesome. Could you remind me exactly what you're doing in grad school? Sure. Well, and thank you. That's very kind. I assure you that um, it is many things, but Marjorie Goodson. Um, one of the guests who will be coming up in the fall, she goes, go all in, not all over. And I went, uh, <laughs> oops. Um, but no, I, I have consciously very much been um, narrowing down what I do so that every project I do supports each other. And, and, you know, I have taught dance for over 15 years and I primarily consider myself a dance educator. But something that, you know, when I, when I was teaching in my young 20s and then when I, I went into the marketing world, I was still doing freelance choreography and I was still teaching. I just wasn't in the studio, you know, nurturing and developing certain dancers and certain artists every week. So it gave me a nice perspective going into the corporate world, um, understanding how a business works. But also when I came back into the dance world or I'd come to see some of my pieces in competition, some of the conversations just seemed bizarre to me. And it's only because I had been removed a little bit. And from that, that little bit of distance, I said, like, if I ever come back in the dance world, it is going to be done differently. I'm not going to come back in and just teach jazz tech and set some, you know, fun competition choreography. There is so much more that we need to teach our dancers and so many more conversations we need to have about how dance transitions into life and how we can support those. So when I came back as a full-time 
dance educator, I started creating a program that brought in pieces of my coaching accreditation, like the career and the life coaching, Mm -hmm. uh, pieces of my yoga, pieces of just my own personal development and, and therapy moments. So I, ha- I was starting to get all of these tools from, you know, my communications degree, all of these tools. And I thought I'm going to put it together a program that can develop and nurture these ideas and these pieces of information at a younger age. So with this group of dancers, I call them my Petri dish because I've been experimenting with them for years. Um, we started doing way more, uh, journaling around deliberate practice around artistry. We started to do more, um, I would say strength and conditioning, but in a way, uh, essentially like dance medicine 101, for the youngsters, mm-hmm. but trying to get them to understand, and they can, they're so smart. They can, they can see the muscles. We can grab the apps that show them what the internal, you know, external rotators look like. Like I wanted it to build out into a thicker education program so that these dancers then are, they just have a more tools in their tool belt. We did way more um, pre-competition post-competition, um, mindfulness, um, you know, expectations, defining success, uh, arousal regulation, you know, the nerves that, that you feel, the anxiety that you feel in a dance space is the same that you'll feel going into a test or same that you'll feel going into a job interview. And so for me, it's like, why are we not teaching these dancers arousal regulation and, and you know, essentially in the academia world, it's called mental toughness. So what I've decided for my, uh, my grad project, my grad school project, it's a master's in education in coaching studies. And right now, <laughs> I say right now because I still have, you know, another year or two of research and writing, but mm-hmm. I am focusing on this idea of mental toughness or mental skills for dancers. And I am putting together a series of exercises, which would essentially be a book of, of yeah, of, that dancers can work through, very similar to what I was describing about an audition experience or process, where they start to learn the skills and uh, be open to developing a little bit more of that resiliency or, or understanding what that looks like, what that feels like, how they can practice it and, and really an exploration of self. And that goes into the social media, you know, that full circle moment where you're trying to look like somebody else, you're trying to be somebody else, you're trying to look like the person who won the last competition. And we all know that's a recipe for failure if that's what you're constantly trying to reach for or go to. So we are working to find and create the definitions of success. We are working to really, from a self perspective, look at your strengths, look at what you love to do. What are you curious about? How can you be, how can you be a community mindset in a competition world? 
And so that's essentially why I went back to grad school. I, I have been doing this for a few years and I love the idea of getting back into academia where there are, I literally sit in a room every day full of amazing coaches with, with a faculty that they themselves have been coaches, but they just like our program head so badly wants us to succeed and like get out there and share our knowledge and take all of this academia, all of these tools and resources that research has proven to be true and, and put it out there in a way that will actually be applied. So that is what I'm doing right now in grad school. And, uh, but like I said earlier, it still supports my work and will support the podcast. So even though it feels like lots of things, almost everything I do in my life right now is actually supporting each other. Yeah, that, that's what I, that's what I was going to tell you. Everything comes, it, everything comes together. Mm-hmm. Like all the yes. things you do, everything comes together. And yeah. And I, no, I think I was, I think that it will all come into the podcast as well. Um, you know, I could have, when I, when they were asking for my, my grad project, you know, do I want to develop this resource and this tools for, you know, dancers who are graduating high school and they're wanting to make a career in dance? Um, or do I want to, or do I want to do these competitive dancers? And the reality is I'm like, if it's me and it's my projects, it's going to be in everything. Um, but because I've been doing this with competitive dancers for a couple of years, um, it's a very applicable thing. And I get a lot of immediate feedback and, um, I get to see and experience how the exercises work and how they're, you know, best communicated to the dancers. So, I mean, it is, I literally, I could not be happier with the work that I get to do and the people that I get to do it with. That's, that's awesome. I'm excited uh, to see if it comes, you know, if a book comes there, you know, if you. Oh yeah, it'll be, (laughs) it will be, it will be. Um, There's no doubt about that. But yeah, I think I started writing a book for um, the kids who are, you know, graduating high Mm -hmm. school and, and going into the professional world. But I think anyone who has, you know, started writing a book will tell you, I mean, it takes so much longer than you, than you ever think yeah. it could. But, um, but man, at the end of the day, it's just, all I want to do is support the dance community. And, and I want to share as much as I can about anything that would, that would help them help any of us sort of navigate, navigate life with, with a little more authenticity and groundedness and, and love and respect for ourselves because that just it starts with us right it starts with yeah it starts with you and and being kind and getting to know yourself and love yourself so that you can be kind and love others yeah thank you thank you that was powerful I wanted I want to be very mindful of your time um and so I have two questions for you sure we end the podcast the first question will be did you move today Ah, did I move? I actually, I will move as soon as this is done. I have my, my Jillian Michaels app while I'm out here in school. And oh. uh, yeah, I, I work out with Jillian every day. <laughs> Jillian Michaels. She's great. She's great. Yeah. Well, she has, she has an app 
that when I'm traveling and, and for now, you know, like I've essentially relocated just for five weeks. So you're not going to, you know, buy a gym pass or whatever. Um, I brought my yoga mat. I brought my weights. I brought my ball. And uh, yeah, I've been using her, her app every day and it's been super fun. I mean, there's no excuse. Awesome. <laughs> Literally, there's no excuse. <laughs> and then my other question is, and that that's awesome because it answered one. It answers uh, one of my uh, one of my questions that I had previous to this one about <laughs> how you know how do you work out or if you move, and so that's pretty cool. It comes all together. And my last question is, what's movement for you? Mm. For me, movement is a necessity and a requirement. Um, movement is the release of all the things that I cannot say and cannot even sometimes sense. I know that sounds very, <laughs> very yeah. abstract, but yeah, I think, um, I definitely, I am of the body where even if I'm like, I'm not working out, I'm not going to move quite literally the next day. I'm like, oh man, I just, I want to move. So I know my body craves it and, and I know that I love it. And I think that sometimes when you're, when I'm feeling any of the feelings, happy, anxious, tired, whatever it is, um, moving just makes everything better. Great. Great. Thank you very much for your time, Lauren. Uh, where can we find you on the um on social media in your podcast and you can just tell us a little bit about that yes well and I also want to say thank you to you thank you for creating a platform that shares these stories and and connects and and offers people um a form of connection it's it's very courageous and it's very bold to take on these kinds of projects and put your voice out there so thank you I'm truly honored and people can find me at thedancepodcast.com or on Instagram at thedancepodcast. I have a personal website that is BDY by Lauren. So that stood for Bar Dance Yoga by Lauren. Oh. Yeah, it'll probably change uh, just because obviously my, I'm changing as always there's that evolution, but there, that is a personal one or on Instagram at Lauren underscore M underscore Richie, R-I-T-C-H-I-E. Great. Awesome. I thought that it was body, you know, when I was like, B-D-Y, body. I know, I know. And it, I mean, that kind of works too, which was part of the, the play on on letters, but yeah, I think, um, I'm not teaching bar as much and I'm not teaching yoga as much. Um, so with the, with the book and with the sort of how things are going to unfold over the next two years, I could see that one maybe shifting and changing, but I will always be at the dance podcast for sure. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time, Lauren. Thank you very much for all the things that you do. Thank you for taking your time um, mm -hmm. and, you know, being here like as a guest in my podcast. Oh, I will keep listening you. to your podcast and I hope that we can meet in person soon. Oh, I would love that. I would love that. Okay. Well, thank you very much, very much, guys, for listening to the podcast. If you haven't moved today, I hope that you moved. You still have a couple of hours. So that was that. I'll see you in my next episode. Thank you, Andrea.